You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You are now listening to Akashic Knowledge for Spiritual Growth and Transformation. Your host along this journey, Pleiades. Howdy. Members of the multiverse, how are y'all today? We are joined on the Akashic Knowledge Podcast, episode 14, talking about esoteric texts and concepts and going into a little bit of things down the rabbit hole, so to speak, with our brother Yogi Zorananda. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, he's a published author. As you can tell by the name, he is a yogi. And this is actually our... Um, our first time having a real in-depth conversation such as this. So, you know, once again, it's documented live. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, brother, tell us, show what your gift is and what it is that you share and emanate to the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast and leaving me like this. It's really, really a special thing and I'm really grateful to thank you. So yeah, my name is Zoran Enda. Um, originally, my, my name is Zoran. I'm Serbian uh, in heritage and over the last like 10 years, the last decade of practicing yoga and meditation, I've just naturally found myself going deeper and deeper into the practice and synchronistically leading myself to experience where uh, I found it necessary to add something like Ananda to my name and it came out of a meditation and it kind of led me forward into embracing something like a word like bliss and what it can mean to add it to my name, which in Serbian means sunrise. So you can kind of get a sense that it means the, the bliss of sunrise. Beautiful. That's what Zorananda means? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a little bit more to it. So uh, if you don't mind just going right into it this way. Um, so I had a meditation where I had Babaji contact me and actually um, tell me to add an unto my name. And he went into this whole elaborate um, explanation of why to do it and what my name really means. So in Serbian, the uh, like root of my name is Zora, which is the feminine side of it. And that is what originally means sunrise. But then when you add the N, it masculates it, then you still have the translation, you still have the name Sunrise in it. So what was explained to me is that by adding Ananda, I'm looking at um, a word like Zoran that has both masculine and feminine qualities to it. And since it is Sunrise, um, adding bliss to it creates this whole like kind of mantra, or this meaning of the rise of masculine and feminine into bliss. And when that was like spoken to me in this meditation, it just completely blew me open. And from that point on, having it in my name, but still being relaxed with it, not being so adamant that I need people to um, call me Zorananda. I was specifically told that it's more of a mantra. It's not something to take ownership of. It's 
Like, you know, you can use it for yourself. Other people will naturally adapt to it. Your name is still your name. Um, your parents are going to call you that, your close friends and stuff. So, yeah. That's very deep. That's very beautiful. It makes a lot of sense because really at the end of the day, all that our name should be really is a mantra, you know, like an emanation of the vibration that we wish to embody within our existence. So it only makes sense to like, you know, you just being able to kind of like resonate within yourself with the meaning behind the vibratory sound complex of Zor, Ah, Nanda, like being able to just like be with those syllables and you know, understand its meaning. Uh, you know, I really appreciate that breakdown. I'm sure everyone listening does as well because it, um, you know, definitely adds a lot of clarity onto it. Makes a lot of sense, and everyone loves a, a name with a good story. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just being able to break it down and just, you know, because language is fun. Language and concepts, it's some fun stuff. And yeah, that brings us into um, like what we're kind of gonna talk about a little bit. And that is like um, the f one thing that I want to kind of crack things open with in terms of the, the rabbit hole conversations is kind of like, you know, I know when we were talking before this podcast, you had mentioned the, um, the Emerald Tablets of Toth and, um, you know, certain texts such as that. And if I were to say, if I were to ask you right now, let's say I'm a person who has no preliminary information about ancient texts, spirituality, formal Eastern philosophy or anything like that. And I'm just like a person that's like looking for a path of information that is like as close to pure truth as possible. If I were to come up to you and ask you what text or ancient writing or something like that doesn't even have to be ancient, you know what I'm saying? Writing or um, documentation of information would you direct me to like the first one that comes to your mind? I'm sure the list is long. You know what I'm saying? We all, we've all gone along our travels and stuff like that, but just out of curiosity to get the ball kind of rolling. Cause there is so many, but what's the first one that comes to your head in terms of like information that like hits as close to the truth as possible? Yeah. So it really depends on the, the person's uh, intention and you know, what their interests are, say, in, in spirituality, if it comes down to yoga, if it comes down to esoteric uh, materials that are, like, more along the line of occult mysticism, where I would say in the realm of yoga, um, there's a translation of the Mahabharata, which is like a... a you know, an 1,800-page That's where the Bhagavad Gita is a snippet of, right? Yeah. And so there's um, there's actually, like, a summary of it where it's broken down to around 300 pages. Um, I actually have it here. So oh, 300 pages. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I haven't heard of this. It's this one here. Um, and it's by uh, William Buck. So what he did is he, he read the Mahabharata like several hundred times and found that it was largely repetitive. And so what he did, did is he took out all the repetitions and just condensed it into something that uh, can be more concise and more kind of uh, linear in the reading. So 
for someone who wants to get into the history of yoga and wants to actually read um, an original text but not be so overwhelmed by having to get into 1800 pages that is largely cryptic, I would say this version of the Mahabharata by William Buck. Um, wow. And then, uh, I do have the Emerald Tablet here. So, when it comes to something like the Emerald Tablet, I can't find it. Um, so, I'm pretty sure most familiar, most, um, yeah, so with, with Emerald Tablets, in along the lines of wanting to get into channeled material and something that is going to open up to kind of occult mysticism, I'd say the Emerald Tablets is good because it's a really short read, um, you know, uh, it's something, that's actually the first text that I got into when I was, I think, 18. Um, where I was introduced to it by Jedi Mind Tricks. Mm, and the artist? Yeah. The artist, so, yeah. Um, so they had, in their psychosocial album, they have a song called The Winds of War. And I remember listening to this song, and as soon as uh, Icon or Vinny Paz like, just mentions the Emerald Tablet of Thought the Atlantean, it just immediately sparked all this within me. Um, of like curiosity and wonder. yeah, they go. They talk about yeah. the halls of Amente and all of that stuff in their in their music. That's yeah. I remember listening to that. Like you know, I grew up listening to like Jedi mind tricks and like you know underground like that. Then as I got older and I re-listened to that stuff, I was like, they, they were talking about this stuff in like the nineties. Yeah. Like yeah. yo, yeah. But go on, bro. So. With the Emerald Tablets, it's it's very like almost old English um, kind of style writing, and so it'll it'll take a couple readings to really get to um, just like the depth that's within it. However, there's one part in the Emerald Tablet that says like in order to really grasp the concepts within it really grasp the energy of the spiritualization like you'll have to read it over a hundred times and i would say that's that's similar to most of these books right Cause there's there's going to be layers of your psychology that you're moving through when you're actually reading this material so when you read it for the first time you know you're gonna get through the doubt and you're gonna experience a lot of beliefs that come up that are questioning what you're reading because most of the time these concepts are going to be heard within your own mind for the first time and so you know what I would recommend for someone getting into this stuff is that they realize that they are going to hear things for the first time and not to be alarmed by it and to get through the reading and to enjoy it and to realize that they're are structures within our life so like the education system any kind of like authoritative system that is like uh, disseminating knowledge that there's stuff left out and so what happens when we find occult books is that that is the stuff that's left out and so we have these kind of 
defense mechanisms that are built up from when we're in school, when we're with our parents, when we're with friends, with all these things and all these places that will create that kind of doubt around this new information. So it's really important to have one of these books, you know, you find it online or wherever in a library and bookstore. And when you get into it, the greatest thing is just to enjoy it. Cause that's, what's going to really allow you to open up to, um, not just believing in the material. So it's not really like you're just kind of head over heels, just believing into it. It's that, um, you enjoy the fact that you are now learning something that you've never learned before. And then, then the path starts, right? Then it's like, okay, out of all of this, what can I pick that will actually integrate and benefit in my life? And what are the things that I, I just don't need to um, uh, bring into my psychology and I can just leave it and that's fine, right? And the third, I would say, um, would, would now go into more of like the occult mysticism. So books like uh, the Magus and the, uh, the Keys of Solomon. So like that is like really going into Kabbalistic stuff and uh, actually taking knowledge and information, not just something that you bring into your mind and then it's gone and that's just, you know, it's stored in your memory and you can kind of recite it to actual like almost ritual magic and actually wanting to create and manifest out of all the knowledge and all the wisdom that is coming through. Absolutely, brother. Those are some really, some really good recommendations, truly. And I really do appreciate the, the articulation that you expressed in regards to um, where the context of this information normally is. That is normally that this is the information that's left out in the public re public education records and things like that in the curriculums. And um, and at the end of the day, the like you were saying as well, as you are reading this material, you are going through layers of your psychology. You are experiencing your subconscious mind. You are, you know, it, it, it's all correspondent to like, you know, your level of presence within being with the material like how much are you with the words you know and and also just it takes a long time to integrate like um there's there's this realm of information um about genetics called um the gene keys are you familiar with those no yeah, I don't those, think so. yeah that's um very groovy information i really recommend everyone and anyone who hasn't heard about it at least just look it up the gene keys by Richard Rudd. Yes, by Richard Rudd. The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd. And it's just a giant, like, textbook-like book of, like, basically you plug in certain information about yourself and then it tells you your gene keys and then you know you open to a specific page for your gene key and each gene key is like, you know, maybe like you know, the pages are really big, maybe like five, six pages or something like that. Yeah. Like each key. But within those four, five, six pages is like, they'll break down your shadows. They'll tell you exactly all your insecurities. They'll break down into like all the depths of like that which needs awareness to process, to 
integrate yourself into your fullest expression. And everyone has their own unique expressions and gene keys and how their soul operates within this plane. But however, understanding your gene keys allows you to have context to now work with what you got, work with the ge genetics, which are genetics is really the physical representation of spirit. Like spirit in its most pure form in the physical realm is like our DNA, our genetic code. So like understanding the in-depth analysis of your genetics and having it interpreted and all that stuff. So the reason I bring this book up, not only to, you know, it's relevant to the topic, definitely interesting, very interesting information to come across, but at the very beginning of the book, like the introduction, the preface to the book, before it even starts, they, they, they talk about the material and they say, look, this information, when you first read this information, it is only gonna do so much for your life. You know what I'm saying? It's not until you really like repetitiously digest and absorb this information that it allows you to allow it to integrate deeper and deeper into your being each and every time that you basically like use the information as like a mantra like what mantras are you know is just vibration that you're tuning into like when you're chanting om that's just tuning to the frequency of the universe and you're like becoming a vibration like by chanting it you are becoming that vibration and emanating it and in that same way the information that we come across we are by reading the information we are like becoming and vibrating with the information to extract the lessons within that state of vibration and at the end of the day the words in and of themselves is not the information it's like what's behind the words that your intuition extracts so by allowing the words to be the the guide and then the state of being that you're in like i'm sure everyone has read a book and like you just feel some type of way when you yeah. read that book like you know usually in like a good way you know when you find a book that you don't want to put down and stuff like that you're just like you know like i know i felt that way with like say like autobiography of a yogi you know i'm reading i'm reading yeah. that book and i'm just like yo like you know my spirit is just igniting with passion and just like you know inspiration and all types of just good feelings like some of the lessons is that good feeling that you're getting from being with the material you yeah, know totally. it's not it's not always intellectual the intellect is just the guide to the feelings because at the end of the day the the universe that we operate within that we are you know that we are the universe fractalizing itself and experiencing itself as a fractal of itself is a feeling universe you know it, it's energy emotion vibration frequency not words language logistics concepts you know like those are just the guiding things so the only reason we even talk about like these esoteric texts and concepts and philosophies and even ancient religions and all types of you know realms of information just to like you know clarify like it's not to like adopt religions is not to adopt like you know you even said it at one point it's not to like 
blindly believe everything you're reading. It's just to take what serves you, leave what doesn't type of situation. And that's really like all of life is just like sitting with what might possibly lie the potential for like growth, like sitting with that and then just allowing your spirit to navigate you through whatever your path is supposed to take in the midst of what you're experiencing. And um, like uh, when I first read the Emerald Tablets, what I found was um, after about the second read through, I noticeably was going into a meditative state. And that was the signifier to me that the information is, is working in a way that's not the typical educative kind of modality that we usually experience, you know, in elementary school, junior high, high school, whatever, um, and university, that it's not that I was just sitting there and I'm reading and my kind of logical mind is trying to interpret and trying to memorize. There is this noticeable shift where the reading part of my mind almost went on autopilot where you can hear yourself reading and you feel yourself taking a step back and you notice it and you're like holy shit I'm reading but I'm also not reading and it's in that moment where I found um, there's this noticeable tangible expansion that was happening and so that's, that's where I, what I find important about these kind of texts is that it's going to open up this natural meditative state where you're still conscious. You don't necessarily have to do the kind of traditional way of sitting, going silent, um, where there's like almost like a fast tracking that's happening by distracting the mind and distracting the like kind of left brain thinking where that loop of thought process is just taken in by the material and then the real work starts to happen and it and the tablets directly say it it like directly says that you know what you're doing right now is you're going into um processing all this darkness within you shifting towards the brothers of light and having a like direct experience with that realm by listening and hearing to the stories that Thoth went through, right? Like his whole initiation, meditating for 10 years in the flower of life, coming out into the halls of Amante, meeting the masters of cycles, like all of this crazy shit that like, you know, if you're a teenager and you're reading this and you're like, wait a minute, is this real? Like, is this actually real? And then as soon as you ask that question, then just all the synchronicities start to pile up. And you're, those masters and, like, those light beings are like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, he's ready, she's ready. You know, let's start introducing more synchronicities. That's exactly right, man. Go ahead, continue. Yeah. Um, So with um, the book that you were mentioning, what what I'm finding interesting... um, happening more and more now is that a lot of the words the older words that describe what something beyond is like god or divinity are i feel are starting to become outdated that synchronistically there are people that are coming out with new material that is kind of a blend between um like a cult religious 
uh, textualization to scientific, more modern, uh, technical, where it's actually becoming more and more direct and more and more accurate. And I think that's really important to, to assess and to learn is that we can actually start to really fully articulate this realm that is, is non-physical and yet it has everything within it. And that there's actually a more clear and concise way to get through it rather than using very general metaphoric terms like uh, faith or God or even just the word divinity that there's actually a way to unpack it. And so that it's almost exactly like that reading into meditation where we can speak and internally think our way into it as well because our words and our thoughts and that feeling are all aligned. And so it's just like this trajectory gateway right into a more deeper meditative state. And without kind of taking away the meditation as well. So like the importance of then, okay, now knowing all this, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to go deeper and deeper using the mantras that I know, using the material that I know, and the intentions and really come in contact with, with these beings that are essentially ourselves. Like um, whatever we do inside of ourselves, that is us. And so the preciseness and the clarity within the way we're articulating it to ourselves, we become even more clear that we're not interacting with angels, we're not interacting with extraterrestrials or beings, that is ourself. And we greet it as ourself. We go, oh yeah, that's, that's me, I'm you, and uh, let's do this, I'm ready, you know. That's where the big, like, the slight perspective shift is in terms of, like, getting the full extent of empowerment rather than giving away your power with any type of um, higher dimensional consciousness that you may be focusing your awareness on. Your higher self, angels, God, uh, guides, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you know, doing all that but recognizing that that's a reflection of yourself and that that is a mirror of you and that's an aspect of you and that you're just reaching out to yourself at the end of the day. You can't go outside of yourself. There is no outside of yourself. You are like the all. And um, I really like um, a couple things that you said. I like all of what you said. But, you know, the things that I want to comment on was um, how you said and specified that like, you know, the, the, when the teenager comes across the material of the, say, for example, the Emerald Tablets, and they're just like, is this real? Like that moment of expansive, like questioning and like want curiosity, wanting to know more. That's what it is. When yeah. you want to know more, the universe gives you more and it gives you exactly like you said, the angelic beings, the higher dimensional reflections of ourselves, they're going to be like, I right. like the floodgates open, you know, let them, let them, let them get him. He's ready. Yeah. They're asking for it. Once you ask for it, you receive, you know, it's you putting out the call and the call always gets answered. You know what I'm saying? They're, 
imagine how good their reception of their phones are. You know, they they ain't never gonna miss a call. There's no oh, the vibration didn't reach me in my pants. Like they got some <laughs> type of like their phone sends a thought signal to their brain and is like, yo, you getting a call from Earth Dimension C one thirty seven. Like yeah. they're trying to figure out more about the universe. Like you know, like it's they're gonna they're gonna pick up. It's just a matter of um putting out the call and also you know yogananda talks about that a lot in like the his meditations you know he would say really just meditate upon no um like who am i basically like just meditate with that question like who am i like what is my essential nature like that is just and also like meditate with the you know you can meditate with a whole bunch of things but like reveal thyself like basically like the the truest aspect of the all god the universe whatever word that's gonna try to you know describe what the true essence of our inner being is you know like kind of like focusing the intention upon that energy within yourself and meditating with like show yourself you know i am open to experiencing my true nature like it's it's all about the intention are you open to experiencing the full extent of your true being and then proving the, to the universe that by vibrating and feeling that not just saying it like reveal thyself like in your heart yeah. bringing it to your heart and speaking that feeling that emanating that becoming that vibration reveal thyself i am open i am receptive i am a channel and then at the end of the day, that was the other thing I was going to comment on what you said about how, you know, the the words, the techniques, the practices, that's all just like words. You know what I'm saying? That's just the guiding guidelines. Like if you have, for example, like, you know, if you have some type of meditation technique where you count, count backwards from a thousand or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Like you just start from a thousand, nine hundred ninety nine, nine hundred ninety eight. You lose yourself in the word, in the, in the um and the counting and it becomes like when you were reading the autobiography of a yogi and you were reading it and then you felt yourself dip deeper and deeper into your inner being and there being like that your awareness operating within two realms at once type of feeling you know like that reminds yeah. me of when i'll be like like sleeping and like in the dream realm but also not fully asleep and still awake and yeah. operating within the dream realm and also having my consciousness within the realm of physical density. And, um, you know, just like our, our consciousness is multidimensional. You know, there is yeah. no linear time. Like time is nonlinear. Time is malleable. All, everything's happening within the same moment, coexisting within the same now. So like your, your awareness can operate within multi dimensions at once. Like, you know, there there is no concept of time. You can do things synchronistically. You can do things instantaneously. And yeah, but just utilizing these techniques, these mantras or anything like that, and then eventually you don't really need them. You know, it's kind of like the training wheels, like the meditation techniques, all the pranayams, all the asanas, all, the, all that stuff. You know, it's just the training wheels to get you into that meditative state of being. 
beyond the practice. Like it's not just your yoga practice or your meditation or sadhana practice that's going to be where you experience God. You experience your eternal essence in every moment of existence once you've cultivated it through being able to like use the training wheels of the spiritual practice to get you into riding on the bicycle, which is really just being in alignment with your true nature. And um, yeah, so just to kind of like spin the conversation in another direction now, um, what kind of got, what brought you down the path of being a yogi? So I started practicing when I was around 22, yeah, 21. And uh, a, good, a good friend of mine, uh, who I've known all my life, we actually got into doing yoga um, pretty much at the same time, but he was a really great catalyst to like really inspire me to go and always call me up. Where prior to doing yoga, uh, like actually getting into the physical practice, I was already getting into a lot of yoga material. So I was learning a lot about the chakras Specifically, that was one that really um, just captured my attention and intrigue. And I was also doing the 17 breath, um, like Merkaba light body activation from Jhanvala Mokizadek. Mm. Um, and and so what I realized is after just like a few years of, of doing those meditations and, and doing a lot of research, I just realized that. I, I needed to focus more on my body um, and um, you know throughout my teen years it's just something that I neglected I was at one point like like fairly physically active playing a lot of sports so just not at all and so it was a great way for me to, un to understand this balance because I was really thinking about um, you know the body the balance between the body mind emotions and, and spirit where I felt I had a grasp of all the kind of mental exercises that I was doing, meditations, getting in touch with my spirit, but then I was just neglecting my body. So I started doing a physical practice, yeah, around uh, the age of 21, which um, is really what catapulted me into all the travels that I did. Um, and so, uh, one interesting thing is that when there's one Sunday morning where my friend Chris called me up and he's like, I know you have nothing to do and I know you have no excuses. So just come to yoga, just come to it. Cause I was super resistant back then, you know, I'd always make excuses. And so I went, I ended up meeting this woman named Blair, who was the uh, like receptionist at the yoga studio. And she ended up inviting us to a workshop that her and her partner were doing. And it was like a full on, like full day workshop all about the chakras. And it was like the tantric chakras, like the more traditional, like um, like tantric understanding of the chakras. And I just knew right from there that it was the perfect opportunity to learn more about what I've already been learning. And that ended up creating this really amazing uh, friendship with this couple where I learned about the style of yoga that they were teaching called the Gama Yoga. And so they were teaching out of my apartment to a few of us for several months. 
and one day in around December, a soft uh, Blair's partner came up to me and he was like, yeah, we're, we're going to end the lessons right away because we're going back to Thailand, to Copenhagen, to continue teaching there. Without even hesitating or even thinking about it, I was just like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Thailand. And he was like, wow, great. Do you have money saved? It's going to be like pretty expensive. And I was like, nah, I literally had like zero dollars. <laughs> and two weeks later, my dad called me and he was like, yeah, I have this uh, job for us to do, um, doing all this like exterior steel paneling on a hotel. And it was like, just gave me everything I needed to go to Thailand. And that was like, the huge initiation into the yoga paths. So I ended up mm. spending two months at this yoga school and really diving deep into a lot of the energetic systems of like the chakras and the koshas and the pranavayus um, and the lokas. Um, and so really what I've come to enjoy most of uh, in the yogic system uh, would be the energetic systems. That's what I really spent a lot of time in investing and actually exploring in my life as well. Not, not entirely just like reading books and absorbing information. It was like going out to the world and be like, okay, how does my experience represent the chakras right now? Like, what does it mean to be in Muladhara and to feel secure and to be connected to my family? What does it mean to be in Svadhisthana and like connect to my passion and creativity and sexual energy? and so forth going up, um, that um, it, the synchronicity just kept rolling and kept going into what I've like come to develop in my book and the meditations that I teach and uh, the courses that I'll be working on. Um, so the interesting thing is that through all that, I also learned about a lot of misconceptions about the energetic system, especially the chakra system. and. What people don't really know is that prior to, I'd say the 18, or late 1800s, the Western world had no idea about yoga and the, and the chakra system, where the only reason why we actually know about the chakra system is through a fellow named Charles Webster Leadbeater. Um, he was a bishop, a Catholic bishop in the UK, and then he became a theologian and met this woman who is uh, like a clairvoyant who can see these like wheels of energy in people. And so he went to India to try to find like some kind of sadhu or a yogi or something, but he couldn't find anyone other than some uh, like simple kind of tantric texts talk about the chakras. And he ended up writing a book called The Chakras, which is just riddled with misinformation. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I remember reading through it, through it and being like, oh, I feel so sorry for like all the people in the 1920s who read this and they were like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And, and so, you know, when he was with his uh, like apprentice or disciple, I forget her name, but uh, the thing that I realized is at the time that they were coming out with this information and for her to see these centers is that they were looking at people who were very suppressed, right? You got to think of like late 1800s, early 1900s, England, London, shit's dirty. Like there's, their morality is just like low and, and their ethics, you know, there's, um, so 
to look at someone in that state and to see their chakras and to determine the quality of those chakra systems based on a person like that, as opposed to going to India and finding like a legit yogi who has been doing that work for all their life and to compare. And that's the thing that they couldn't do, right? And so I think that's why there's just all these misconceptions starting, but I think that's necessary as, as the information kind of goes along because now we can look at that and, and compare it to now where there are an abundance of people who are actually doing really good clear work. Um, and so, yeah, I would say the toughest thing, especially with this older material, is just being like careful with, with having that uh, uh, discretion to read it and to do some extra research. Because I know for me, when I was like, you know, 1920, getting into all this, I was just like a sponge, you know, it's like the internet and Google is like almost brand new, you know, like being able to just search for anything and find all these crazy websites and then um, not having that discernment to be like, okay, you know, who is this coming from and where, you know, what's the intention mm-hmm. behind it? Yeah. yeah, it's that intuitive discernment. Yeah. It's that intuitive discernment. That's what really comes with like, you know, I think we all start with a point where we're like, yo, there's a lot of information in this freaking universe for us to learn so much. I want to learn all of it. You know, let's go. And then you get into all the text, get into all the stuff and the information all over the internet and stuff like that. And then it can be like really overwhelming and such. And then as you sit with this information through the years, as you embody it in your life, you practice it, you live alongside it, you utilize these teachings and perspectives of reality, it starts to integrate into your state of being. And then you do start to understand it on a deeper level and you start to go beyond the intellect and start to experience what the words were trying to actually describe. And that is the deeper understanding behind the teachings of like literally anything that you read and allowing your intuition to discern that. And um, yeah, that being said, one one text that I did want to bring up was that about Hermeticism, the Kabbalion. And to, um, you know, just kind of like bring that one up in terms of, um, because I know that was a big one on my path when I started to, because it made i read that book when i was like um you know it's also another really shorter book really condensed and stuff like that really dense material really good potent stuff and it's about you know the seven hermetic principles the the governing principles of our reality and when i heard the first principle about you know the the all is mind and you know how everything is the all and you can't subtract or multiply from or divide the all in any type of way shape or form the way that they just so coherently described the true nature of like the entirety and the totality of like what it truly means to be everything like there can't be anything outside of it i remember that was a really big expansive text um along my path and that is what started to, because, you know, as I started getting into these texts along my journey as well, 
one big thing that started to kind of hit me was obviously, like you said, you come across information, you do additional research. I would always like in my left logical brain try to be like, yo, I want to find a whole bunch of different texts and I want to see where their information is parallel, where it doesn't match, where some texts can like, like, you know, maybe like say that another text is wrong or some shit like that. I'll try to bridge the information between different sources. And then as I started to do that, I was like, you know, having some type of productivity with it, some type of not. But then I started to kind of like stop logically trying to discern that. And I was just taking each text and like really meditating with the words, really sitting with it, really just allowing myself to take myself away from the material, bring the material into my space in a still point centered balanced frequency, like in a meditative state, basically, like being able to be in a meditative state and, um, you know, observe the information and sit with the information there, what my spirit instantly intuitively like reacts to it it is like what I would go off of. (laughs) And like, you know, if I came across something and it's like, nah, nah, son, like, nah, not really feeling that, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to dismiss it, but I'm not going to like further pursue it too much, you know? And then, And then likewise, if there's some other information, I might dive into it more and see what's there if it feels good, you know, and that's just coming from, you know, operating with that heart centered being and allowing that to navigate you through information, truth, all that stuff, because that's the real navigation system. It's just like your true being, you could get to any truth by just following that light. It's really powerful. Yeah, and that's precisely what I've discovered as well, especially with um, going into the heart for a deeper meditative experience. And a lot of my research and um, a lot of what I'm working on is that there's an actual shift in, in brain state where if you're just reading something from your normal kind of beta state and the way that your brain is processing it, it's going to process it within your own personality and identity and beliefs. However, when you go into your heart first and meditate into your heart and do your best to kind of maintain it where you feel like your attention is there and when you're reading and if you feel that it's actually promoting that state, it's actually helping you stay in it and it's helping you to go even uh, expand even more into it where you find that there's times where you just are just naturally closing your eyes and you're just going deeper into it, then that kind of stream of guidance is going to come through more clearly, right? Like the the voice that's going to start to actually elaborate more of that truth for you, right? So you may be reading something and it triggers it and you go into that state and all of a sudden this guidance is, is suggesting lifestyle changes suggesting you know um people that you should reach out to and it's all of a sudden there's there's this dialogue that's happening that you have no control over and that's specifically what i found um to be just powerful and going into the heart that there's this intelligence there that isn't a logical intellect 
and and it isn't such a chaotic kind of like visionary thing either. It's very like clear, and it's and it's very um, intentional in, in what it wants to share with you. And you know, it can be completely life changing as well. Like um, an experience that I've had in that precisely was um, this guidance that was I could hear and see and like. It was the full-on experience just within me of having these clear visions being shown to me and having this voice speak to me about no longer going to university. And uh, I was like on the verge of um, signing up for my uh, for my next year and being like, okay, I need to like spend the next two and a half years uh, full time, you know, five course courses uh, a term. And just one morning when I was meditating, this whole presence came in and was like, you have two options. Either you go to university, you lose touch with all your friends and lose touch with uh, like uh, your family business because this is 18 hours a day every day that you're gonna have to be doing, right? And as you know, it's like $50,000 in debt, right? So, or keep working on your business and instead, you go to India and do your 300 hour teacher training. And like little me in my ego was like, well, I just, I want to do it all, you know? And the voice was like, no, you have to pick. And I just, I really couldn't. I just, I didn't know until the voice was like, who are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. And immediately I was just like, oh, I'm doing it for me, right? That like ego kind of state. And the voice was like, no. And immediately showed me that everything I was doing for, uh, university, I wasn't even doing it for myself. I was doing it for my dad because my mm. dad was the one who told me when I was young, like, you have to go to university, you have to get an education. And it was just like drilled into me. And then once I realized that and I, I watched like those images kind of like come into my mind and then go out, it was like this weight just like lifted. And then the voice was like, yeah, you're not going to university. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're going to India instead. And it just like jolted me back to my body and just like, And I was like, okay, well, that's it. Spent the next six months just like working my ass off and got everything that I needed to go to India and do the 300 hour. And that like completely changed my life. And, um, you know, like my roommate uh, during the training is now like one of my best friends. And yeah, so it's really powerful what can happen when, when, we develop that trust that it's it's not something that's going to come immediately it's it's going to be something that your heart kind of like warms up to you and then the more and more you can go into its space and the more and more you spend time in there it will start unveiling those abilities to you it'll start to actually present itself in a numerous ways right and especially with with life decisions um and uh, so there's this article that I read that in more of a scientific lens of this, uh, these researchers discovered that prior to any decision making, that there's a response from these group of cells in the heart that fire first, and then the brain receives, and then the brain interprets how you want to actually go about on the decision, right? And if it like kind of aligns with that personality and beliefs and identity. Um, so we think that our control is coming from the brain 
where we think we're at the helm of, of the decision making when the heart actually knows what decision you're going to make and how before anything. And so what I've come to learn to do is in what the instead of just being stuck in the head with all the decision making and just go into the heart like literally place your consciousness in your heart and be there and feel like you just kind of get like not stuck but you get kind of locked in and it's such a good comfort your instincts feeling. yeah it's our natural being it's like in dragon ball you go ultra instinct you know yeah. like that they have this whole thing in the in this in the show where basically he l allows his body which is the subconscious mind, which is the emotional body, which is the heart-centered state of being. Essentially, it's all manifestations of the same ripple. And he allows that to kind of take autopilot, Ex like literally exactly as you said, like just skipping the middleman of having to go through the logic mind and just going straight to source, straight to center, not having to go the scenic route, just going pshoop, you know, yeah. you know your decision, you know how you're going to act, you know the alignment that is in resonation with your inner being and all types of stuff like that. And that's why, like, um, that's why it's so much of a learning curve for a lot of people to get into that state of being because of the anchoring in the timeline and vibration of, like, you know, being in a logic mind, everything has to be orchestrated by logic, masculine, dominated, energy, society, all types of things like that. And the reason why it could be so challenging to just release the need to analyze everything and to just trust with your first instinct, that could be so disorienting for so many people because they're like, well, first instant, I got to go to India, you know what I'm saying? What about my school diploma? What about my papers that I need to do my life? Like, you know, all the logic stuff would come in. But, you know, instead of, you know, ingraining yourself or locking yourself essentially in the logic line, you're locking yourself within source. And um, that's just cutting out the middleman. And I also really love how you broke down how it really is a dialogue that you can have with yourself when you meditate and you just, you enter intention into the space, especially if you have a question or some, some type of decision that you're like on the fence about and entering a meditative space and then just um, entering that intent, that intention that you wish to receive any form of clarity upon Yo, it's like we were saying earlier, when you put out the call, it's gonna be answered. You just have to make sure your reception is good. You have to make sure that your your vibration within yourself is clear and that you're transmitting a clear signal and you're not all confuzzled and in your thoughts and in your logic mind, you know, you wanna really send it out, um, a clear signal and whatnot. Yeah. What I, what I found in James' work as well is that um, the the heart itself and its intelligence and um, basically like your higher mind will also bring things into your awareness, right? So there'll be times where like you do your yoga practice, you're sitting down to meditate, you're going into the heart and you feel great, right? You're like, wow, but, like um, <laughs> everything's going so well and you're there and then all of a sudden that presence comes in and he goes, well, check this out. And what I found is that 
the typical narrative around going to heart is there's this like fear, like, oh, there's so much pain in there and there's so much. The thing is, you're coming from your, like, that's that left brain, that's that beta wavelength that's looking down at the heart and seeing the chasm and the divide from your gaze here to your gaze here and looking down and almost looking down a well and being like, oh, well, there's just this darkness down there. And so what I like kind of teach and what I do is to almost in a kind of hypnotic uh, way where you literally just lower your gaze step by step. So you start with your eyes closed and you're just looking forward with your eyes closed from here. And you just realize, why is my gaze stuck here? Like, why like why does it seem like that's the just focal point? And what you can do is you can start to lower your gaze and so you feel like you're looking out from your nose, then your mouth, then your throat, and then finally your heart. So you start by just being aware that there's a distance between your eyes and your heart and that that distance lessens the more and more you go down. So by the time you get to your throat and you feel comfortable there, suddenly there's no more of a large divide. And then you can just lower your down into your heart. And there's this point where once you're there and once you're almost at your heart, you can like feel it calling to you. Like you feel it being like, yes, like it's magnetic, you know? And it's like, yes, come come to me I and it will open itself to you and that's that kind of locking into place is that it opens up and you go in and it's like I am protecting you now and so once you're in the heart whatever comes up is within its realm of like unconditional love and compassion and empathy so there is no fear there is no doubt there is nothing that's going to scare you it's going to come up and the heart's going to be like, okay, look at this. This is something from your past. This is something that's traumatic. Watch how we heal it. And the heart will actually show you a kind of technique and how to healing it. And that's essentially what it did for me. And why I was inspired to write the book that I did was that I realized that the heart in net, like intuitively and innately will show you how to heal yourself. You don't need it from other people. You don't need like we'll search out masters and gurus and uh, teachers to get a certain kind of knowledge. However, if they're not teaching you how to go into your heart, then there's something not right, right? There's something that they're not telling you and there's a kind of trick at play. So like my teacher, that's where I learned this, you know, like he called it the language of the heart. But the reason why this little Indian man that can go to India or go to Italy, not speak a single word in Italian, but have a great and wonderful time teaching yoga to all these Italians is that he would speak the language of the heart. And he's like, every heart gets it. So yeah. that is what like just opened up so much. I'm like, okay, well, I got to relearn the language of the heart. And where we learn the language of the heart is actually in our mother's womb. When we're 24-7, all we hear is the thumping of a heart. We feel the circulation of her body. We feel um, her emotions and everything. We're learning all of that through this beating heart and this rhythm that we're hearing nonstop, right? So that, I think, is what's missing 
generally within us is that we have lost touch with this language that is literally music within us. And it's emerging and, once again. Yeah. And it's so, it's really great to see. Like it's, I, you know, all the stuff that I've written and put in my book and then I'm on Facebook or I'm on Instagram and I'm hearing people say and talk about what I wrote and it's just so trippy. And that is like, you know, my, my higher mind or my guides will be like, that's because this is the new wave. This is another science. This is a new way of understanding our bodies and understanding our hearts that's coming out. And that's really going to help um, heal a lot of people. So, um, yeah. So it's, it's so great to hear you talk about that. It's like something that's core within you. And like, because, you know, we've never met and we have our own life you know, like you have your own trajectory and everything that you've gone through and it comes down to this point right now where we have the same realization, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's happening so innately and it's so wonderful to see. It's just organic. It's so yeah. organic. It's really like, you know, you don't matter what language you speak, you speak the language of the heart. That's going to always resonate with everybody because of the fact that what we really are is in alignment with that energetic frequency. So as you step into that, you emanate that, you radiate that, you speak that, you embody that. The true nature of what we are is going to forever be awakened by that. So if you walk down the street, and you're, you walk down the street and you're just like emanating love from your heart and you don't even have any like logical thing behind it. You're just emanating straight up love. Someone walking down the street, even if they're remotely receptive or not, or even if they're not consciously aware of the, how they are feeling about being exposed to your energy, if you are coming from your heart center, you are going to bring them back to that space within themselves where they are themselves in the truest form. Because all of us, like, like you said, you know, we all came from the womb, being within that energy, being just like marinating in it, you know, being born in it. That's where we come yeah. from in a, in a large way. I totally resonate with that. And um, when you, radiate that you know like you kind of remind people like that's what we all are none of us are teachers none of us are educators like you know there's nothing that you can say to someone that their soul doesn't already know it's just it's just we're all reflections and reminders for one another like you know you do remember that you are source right you do remember that you are literally all of everything and nothing but that like you just are everything including me including the ground you're walking on you're all that's all you it's all you you're witnessing it all same way that you breathe you make the stars collide and birth and die and everything that's 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 you you know just letting you know just letting you know that and then we're, we all just kind of like you know are these little winks for one another and it's um it's really pa it's just so powerful like you said to witness it happening so organically like 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 man shit could make me cry bro it's really so beautiful like witnessing the evolution and like the coming to fruition of prophetic information for decades like yeah. you know what i'm saying decades in the popular knowledge but you're you already know since how you know sumerian tablet times like you know um this information has been in the making for, I mean, it's been known for a very long time. These are just the cycles of our universe and the evolution of consciousness and so on and so forth. But to know it is one thing and to experience it is a whole nother ball game. And it's just yeah. 
fills your being with gratitude, or at least it does for me, like that we are even alive in these physical bodies to witness this happening in real time. You know, so like, it's it's yeah. wild. You gonna say That's, something? Yeah. Um, that like very sentiment of really recognizing that we're an organism and that the, the game of getting caught up in the all the egoic tendencies and all of the um, like desires of the of like the material body right and like everything that we have in their mind of uh, what we want to do that just to take even a brief moment to let that go and just to look around and to feel your body and be like holy shit like I'm a physical thing right now and I don't know how I'm a physical thing right now you know like there's nothing at the very beginning of my life that was like here is exactly why you're a human you know everything at the beginning of our life is like here is how you can consume more you know here is how you can be like a lawyer a doctor a teacher like all these things that plays roles within it but then to just be able to really immerse yourself in what you are just like feeling your flesh and knowing that like you have this biological machine that's operating for you and and then what you can do with it you know and then you know what you can learn about more of its intricacies of like you know going into the heart and um just the power that it has within it that i think um is and can be very pivotal in the combination of uh going deeper into our hearts and uh oh, i think you might get a we just let my dog in, so <laughs> grace the screen. No? Um, <laughs> so, um, one thing I wanted to mention about uh, Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar, um, that, you know, Sri Yukteswar's book, The Holy Science and the Autobiography of a Yogi, uh, really lay out the, the understanding of, of that depth of heart connection. And, and one way was Sri Yukteswar understand, understanding um, the yugas and the timeline and with Yogananda um, understanding it through all the different yogis that he encountered and um, the, the knowledge that came about through his own enlightenment and um, that when we go into the heart, there's an acceleration that happens in our consciousness that really the expansion that we're experiencing is that we are traversing through an inverse of, of space time into time space. So now we are experiencing travel through time rather than travel through space. And so what that unveils for us is this capability of actually entering into a timeline that would be technically from the space time point, like linearly, like, you know, 3000 years in the future. And that what you're doing is that you are meeting your version of yourself that has transcended that place and you're creating a connection. This is like really what Yogananda talks about is that through the Kriya Yoga practice, that if you were to um, practice one hour a day for a year, 
you would um, advance yourself something like 200 years into the future. But if you did 12, if you did like two or three, or no, I think he said like 12 hours a day, every day for like 24 years, you would advance yourself 300,000 years into the future. And so essentially what is really pertinent for us right now is that we come to understand that meditation isn't just this thing that we're doing to calm our mind or to become more productive and to have a five minute meditation and uh to literally refine our spirit and evolve us and to actually place ourselves in the satya yuga so rather than waiting for it to come to us we're just like nah fuck it like i'm just gonna go because what's actually stopping me (laughs) within myself right straight up that's essentially what I feel that Yogananda did and what made him an enlightened being is that his consciousness was seated within a body of his own in the Satya Yuga and he was transmitting back through his physical body on earth. And that's what gave him the abilities of completely learning English on the boat ride, you know, immediately, you know, like he had no understanding of English as soon as he's on the boat and he had English uh, passengers. Speaking from the language yeah. of the heart. Yeah. And and then what allowed him to then within 15 years um, initiate 100,000 people into Kriya Yoga. And that's the one thing I think is interesting within the yoga community and the yoga world is that they don't really realize that yoga in America started on uh, a more spiritual level through Swami Vivekananda in the mid-1800s coming to Boston and doing lectures to thousands of people. But then Yogananda coming only, I think maybe like 40 years later, 50 Mm -hmm. years later, and then likewise initiating um, like 100,000 people doing colleges and universities and lectures all over the place, right? So we're seeing these waves and I've been thinking about this. So the first wave of yoga to the West came in the late 1800s. The second wave came in around the sixties and seventies with uh, Patabi Joyce and Krishnavacharya and BKS Iyengar. And now I think there's a third wave coming and that there's a new wave of teachers that are, mm-hmm. are coming out. And it's, and it's really going to embody that higher spiritual understanding. And it's, and it's paralleling with, you look on Instagram, man, it's crazy, like a lot of the shit that um, people can do with their bodies, you know, like the contortionism and, and everything. And so the deeper spiritual understanding of the yoga um, practice is going to be paralleled with all of, all of the world and all the crazy um, physical stuff that we can So... Yeah, it's really like the deeper um, fundamental embodiment that is going to lead to the byproduct of crazy things like physical contortions that are going to be on a level that's beyond what we have currently witnessed, you know, because of the deeper embodiment behind that, that the physical manifestations in any way, shape or form is just a byproduct of. So no doubt, I definitely see that as, you know, you saying like, you know, the three waves of yogis, so to speak, that could even correspond to the three waves of volunteers with Dolores Cannon's work and stuff like that. And that channel information about like the, the volunteers of, you know, souls that are 
coming here to perpetuate the global expansion and awakening of the planet and elevating the frequency and things of that nature and perpetuate the um perpetuate the ascension process and um it definitely resonates very deeply that um that's kind of like just the world that we're in you know what i'm saying and it's it really is just it's it's just surreal it's just surreal and when you do realize like um that's what i was trying to remember that you were talking about how meditation is not just a way to calm down you know it's not just something to do to like be peaceful you know what i'm saying like it is you feel freaking blissed out you know you feel high off of your breath literally like when you just like sit there and do these simple simple breathing where you could just you know have a straight spine feel the prana rise up and down your you know your spine and feeling the energy and things like that breathing very slowly relaxing the organs all these types of things lead to the meditative state that like you said like will drastically accelerate your spiritual development which is really a synonym for ascension you know in terms of how to do this ascension stuff being able to drop in a meditative state that at the core of it is like the ascension work that's the energy work that's the integration that's processing the codes that we receive awakening our dna that's refining our spirit all 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 these types of things of maya illusion being just just naturally fading as a byproduct of accessing these deep deep states within yourself and it's like um like we were talking about earlier, like basically everything has like a bit of a learning curve at first because so many people, you already know, logical mind, oh, sit down for 15, 20 minutes. Oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. You know, I want to go do literally anything other than sit here straight. And then when you do start to actually like break through that, you know, break through those um, limiting temptations and stuff like that, and you actually like embrace stillness like true genuine stillness physical stillness and then that leading to emotional mental like energetic stillness and things like that and then you know you get to the real euphoric like blissful states that's when you start to see the doors really open and what i really love is just being able to um have the contest because there's a whole bunch of things that people use to get into that state you know binaural beats like plant medicines you know hypnosis like affirmations certain techniques all types of things like that like all those types of things are just kind of like like not outside because you already know it's all reflections of the inside there is no outside but like you know kind of like within the human perspective external like um ways to get to it and when you experience a bunch of these different, you know, like, like, for example, like me personally, I've been hypnotized before. I've, I've paid someone like hundreds of dollars to professionally hypnotize me, go to a place, you know, I've experienced like, you know, psychedelics, mind altering substance. I've experienced all types of all these different like methods to get to the state. And then when you really do just tap in, drop in, do some simple breathing and then access God within yourself, like just straight up very easily it it really shows you the true power of like what we have within us and the flame of our spirit and the potency 
you know, like the the states of euphoria that you can access by just the breath is ridiculous. Like, yeah, you can do holotropic breathing, all these types of ways to really amplify it. But really, at the end of the day, you can really just drop in, breathe very slowly in and out and be with have your awareness there. And that right there will bring you into the state where your spirit is exponentially growing. You know, and they say like, um, I think it is Sri Yukteswar that um, Yogananda recites the information from in the autobiography when he says um, how it might take a normal being. I probably have the numbers wrong. You were kind of mentioning it earlier. A, nor- yeah. a, a normal being, they said like someone that's already on the path of light, you know, doing good, being a nice person, all types of stuff. Even someone on that path take like say 300,000 years to reach a natural ascension or some something like that. Yeah, I and think then, it's like something dramatic, like a million years or something. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so as well. And then like um, they say like you could reduce that to like a few, th- um, I think they say you could do it within a lifetime if you do like a certain amount of, like you were saying, a certain amount of Kriyas each day for a set amount of years. And um, I think it's in like 12 year cycles. You know, if you're doing the Kriya for like in 12 year cycles, you reach like drastic next levels of evolution. So if you do like say 36 years of like, like three full 12 year cycle Kriyas every single day, like in one lifetime, you'll just and like, and like you said, bro, that's really what Yogananda and a lot of the greats um, really did. And we say greats, but that's really just embodiments of our potential. You know what I'm saying? It's, yes, these beings that have already achieved so much attainment and stuff like that through all their work will incarnate with these fully realized forms. However, that's just your potential. It's like it's it's like if somebody is born with a good singing voice, and then someone else is born with a you know it's not so much of a good singing voice. You know they could still have a great singing voice. They just need to put in that work. It's that same exact yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, so anytime yeah. you see any type of reflection of like yo this Yogananda this divine incarnation of love itself and Sri Yukteswar like the divine incarnation of wisdom itself like you know they like what do how can I touch their level of attainment it's like that's your level of attainment my friend like you know that's you like you know it goes back to everything we were saying earlier with everything that you kind of like pray to almost like you know really like send intentions with that's all you yeah. and stuff like that and that's where that's where a lot of like all the realms of information meet at the heart and meet at that intuitive discernment and yeah and yeah for sure the the power to uh, like continue that path really comes about realizing within yourself that no one else is responsible for that attainment Right? And, and we all know this, and so you know when we look at beings like Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar and the states that they've gone to, and like the ability that they've had to be able to like go into meditations where their like heart stops beating and their like their physical body just goes into like perpetual stillness where you can't even like tell that there's even a heartbeat or a breath. Right? It's just so minimal um, that it's a reference. It's a reference point. And so rather than the comparison, you go, okay, that's possible. 
understand where I'm at right now, what is possible. And so then that is your own reference point. So then when you actually go and you start doing the work, you start doing the asana practices, the pranayama, the meditation, that you notice the pace that you're on. And then so you just focus on your pace. And and you see that there's an inspiration to get to something greater, yet ultimately you may not get to that point. And then that's okay because that's all part of the the practice of contentment and self-acceptance, right? So you're content with where you are. And chances are, the more and more you do that, uh, inadvertently, you will just come to greater awareness within yourself. And then you'll interact with people who feel like they're at that comparison like you were to Yogananda. And then so you can then develop this appreciation for the way that the spiritual practice is for each and every person and how wild the difference is going to be. Even though technically you're going kind of to the same place, however, you know that intimately within yourself you're developing a relationship and that's really the key thing is that you are developing a relationship with your heart who's developing a relationship with your higher mind and your greater potential who you can be as an extended person. Absolutely. It's really at the end of the day, just your reflection. Uh, I mean, a reflection of your relationship with yourself, you know, like it really is just how you feel about your practice, you being with yourself. And exactly like you said, you can reach a certain level of attainment, whereas someone else at a, at a, you know, a beginner level would look at you like you look at, say, one of the, um, you know, yogis of, you know, India and stuff like that. And, uh, that's why comparisons are really just like, you know, seeing it all, it's, it's all like so many things. It's not about what it is. It's about how you look at it. So in terms of like, say someone like Yogananda that can go into like the Samadhi state, like at will and stuff like that. Like, you know, you might just look at that and be like, gulp. Like that's like that's, yeah. that's some that's yeah. some heavy stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Straight up, you could look at it like that as like some there's some disconnect there, or you could look at it as like, oh, like you said, like that's possible. You know, yeah. like that. Yo, like this man jumps out his body, like just, just like yeah. you know, just like a meditation, like like it's nothing. And it's, it's like an inspiration, it's like a passion, it's like a fuel, it's like an excitement to grow and become more of our true essence because, you know, you see that there's more to become, you see that there's more to grow into and rather than being intimidated by it, like, ah, man, there's more I gotta do, there's more work, what is this, you know what I'm saying, I've already done so much, like, rather than having any type of energy like that, you're just like, yo, I'm excited to exist. I'm excited to grow. I'm excited to evolve. So let's evolve further, you know, and that's kind of the energy that you vibrate in your vortex when you are like taking inspiration from somebody that is at a higher point than you. And even beyond the, you know, the great people, just everyone in your everyday life, you want to surround yourself by people that are um, like either like around where you're at or higher. You know what I'm saying? You want to bring yourself up not as like a competition like oh i'm trying to beat them it's like that's a reflection of me that's bringing me closer to my refined true essence that i'm going to harmonize with be receptive to and integrate to then embody into my fullest soul expression 
and like that's what we're here to experience and um yo before we wrap up here brother i definitely want to make sure that you get some time to talk about your book and you know yeah. your creative topics that um your creative endeavors that you are um you know dipping into and just how you are how you are expressing your spirits refinement and your practices and all this stuff into creative expression great thank you so my book is called future life regression meeting your future self and essentially it's a collection of meditations and exercises that i've developed over the years through um, a meditation or like a monthly meditation that i was doing called future life regression so what we do essentially is uh, do a guided meditation where we go into the heart and from there we travel um, through a kind of corridor, if it's like a stairwell, if it's like into a cave, um, over a bridge, to a door that opens up into a space of, of light. And it's from that space then we actually welcome and call a version of our future self that we can interact with that we receive information, we receive uh, inspiration and guidance to follow synchronicities in our life that lead towards that future self. And so it's a way to initiate an empowerment where we start to learn from ourselves deep within us and that there's a guidance that will promote that learning as you go along in your life. Um, and so the exercises are also geared towards healing. So when we go into the heart, like I was mentioning before, that the heart will just bring stuff up. It'll be like, hey, take a look at this. And um, what it's done for me is that it showed me how to create exercises within that space. And so I have one called um, retrieval, where um, like a past memory of a trauma or something will come up. And rather than the typical going into it and cycling the story and like um, reinforcing the story, we take a step back away from it and we breathe and we pull the energy from the story back into the heart. And we just keep doing this. We keep breathing, we keep pulling the energy and we essentially watch the story and the vision of the memory just kind of fade away. And that we integrate all of that energy back into our heart. And that's not to say that the memory is gone. It's just that the charge that we've given it to maintain the trauma and to maintain the story around the trauma has now been uh, transmuted within the heart. And this is something that my heart showed me after a very traumatic experience that I had of slicing my wrist open and having to like rush myself to the hospital thinking that I like cut an artery or something. And that, um, you know, luckily I was totally fine. Um, I just had like some stitches, but after that week, um, I was having really intense like PTSD of flashbacks of going back into that experience and like full vivid, like watching myself uh, get the cut and everything. And suddenly the heart came in and my heart was like, here's how you're going to heal this and taught me the retrieval in that moment and was like, okay, do this for the next week and watch what happens. And so I did it for the next week and it was just like magic. All the PTSD was gone. And I can recollect it, I can bring it up, but that's no emotional charge. 
Yeah, I, I came out of that and I was like, holy shit. I was like, <laughs> okay. And this was like right in the middle of me writing my book. And it was like, yep, that's going to be a chapter in the book. And then I also like each month I was writing the book, I would teach the topic in my workshop. So I got to really like invest a lot of energy in, um, into each chapter. And, uh, you know, ultimately... I see this book as a manual, you know, it's something that I hope people can kind of keep around with them, um, write notes within it and have a journal and, and, and use it as a tool um, where it's in a, they're developing that ability to go deeper into their heart and ultimately so that they can learn their own techniques because that's what I, I really at, like am adamant about the book is like, this isn't about me becoming your teacher. Like this isn't about me being put on a pedestal. When you go in, into your heart and you start doing this stuff, it will show you how to heal yourself. And that's not my responsibility. You will learn it yourself through these tools. Mm -hmm. And you'll develop your own guided meditation. You'll develop your own techniques because that's just innate within that system and within the heart. Because that's exactly what was happening to me. Like, um, you know, I thought I was kind of crazy at one point because, you know, I was learning all these powerful meditations from all these other people. And then yet, in my own meditation, in my own heart, it was showing me something that a lot of other kind of realms were missing. And so um, I feel like a great responsibility to get this out there um, in a, in a, nice kind of holistic integrative way like talking to you and so i'm really looking forward to um yeah getting it out as to many people as, as possible and also just hearing my life story of all the phenomenal crazy things that happened and how we all live a phenomenal life i guarantee there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this that will also realize that they've had phenomenal experiences. If so be it either dreams or premonitions or um, psychedelic experience, it doesn't matter. Even if it's coming from something external like a psychedelic, mm -hmm. that's still a phenomenal experience, man. Like, you know. Still experience of consciousness witnessing itself from, from a different vantage point that can lead to some very enhancing perspectives. Yeah, totally deeply true brother and is this book out currently and it's on um distributors or you're so still it's on pre-order right now so you can go to my website soranunda.com the official release is october 5th so um it's complete so it's already set up um uh with distributors and everything so i'm just waiting this is on all this is waiting for the wow yeah that's awesome bro that's awesome that's just like a week from now or something yeah. like that right that's yeah that's powerful at least in the time that we're recording this it's like it's just a week from now pretty much like that's really beautiful man i'm really glad that i was able to get you on here right before and then yeah. this podcast is gonna pretty much come out around the time that you drop the book if yeah. not right before or something yeah. like that so Definitely grateful, deeply, deeply grateful to have had you on here, brother, and sharing all of your profound, clear insights from the channel that you operate from. I fully receive, appreciate, and recognize the work that you do, the integration that you have embodied, and the 
the intention and innocence behind your intentions is um, absolutely obvious, you know, from one heart-centered being to another, brother. I definitely recognize it. I know everyone receiving this cast as well. I'm sure if they're sensitive to any extent, they feel the potency of your heart-centered beingness and you have shared so much deep wisdom that I definitely encourage everyone, including myself, to dive into your deeper work as well and, you know, get in this book. I'm actually, like, genuinely not just saying this because, you know, you're on the podcast and stuff. Like, I'm looking forward to reading your book, bro. Like, I'm actually most likely going to pre-order it, if not buy it, as soon as it comes out. And, like, I want to read that, especially after, like, knowing you and, like, your experiences now and, like, you know, feeling from where the source of the information would be coming from like i'm hype i'm hype like just from this podcast you know i've learned so much from just like being around your energy and yeah definitely you know i'm gonna have links to your website and um if i can't even put the pre-order link in the description of the youtube video of this podcast and um yeah. i'm pretty sure i'm getting my podcast on like um apple music and all the amazon all the all the stuff beyond spotify and soundcloud soon and i'll have you on the description of literally every platform that i'm on which is like, gonna be like 27 soon there's something <laughs> like that so um nice yeah, I'm deeply appreciative, brother. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, sharing your beingness. And definitely, we'll be in contact. Everyone, check out his stuff. Check out his page. Check out his Instagram. Check out his website for more of his teachings. And just, I'm very honored to have a being such as yourself doing the work that you are. And now we could collaborate to create this beautiful creation that is this podcast yeah. episode, bro. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for responding to my message and being excited to have me as a guest. It really like, lit up my day, man. So I like, I, like, I see so much of what you do and I'm just like, I saw that you're doing your podcast and I was like, yes, okay. I was just like, I just got a message in and just see if you'll have me as a guest. That'd be so great. So yeah, thank you as well. Such a pleasure. Yeah, I just, real recognize real, bro. Like I yeah. just, I let spirit... I, I, like guide me through everything everything yeah. so like yeah. you know spirit told me they're like this this ain't no normal person trying to promote themselves on your podcast because you know i get messages you know what i'm saying yeah. like i, I can't yeah. respond to all of them but like yeah. you know i felt it instantly your intentions everything bro really grateful oh, that you reached so out and just it's just been beautiful bro Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for stepping into your hearts. Thank you all for being receptive to this podcast, being receptive to this information from the Akash that channels through these vessels of our humanness. And I'm just like blissed out right now, honestly, with this energy of the universe. So thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll see you all in two weeks for episode 15. Yes, episode 15. Love y'all. Peace out.